and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damian Abraham. And once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved with punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, one of the best front people going from the band Surfboard, Danny Miller is here. And this episode, you, you really do hear two lead singers coming together and just sharing so much experience um, from burrito vomit to anyway, more on that in one second. But first, if you would like get if you would like to get in touch with me, head over to the email address turned out of punk podcast at gmail.com. That is run by my brother and show producer and guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham, and he will get the message to me. Thank you, Tristan, for all the hard work you do for this show. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at left for Damien. If you want to support the show, the best way to support the show is by telling your friends about it, letting them know that we do this podcast and, uh, there's, there's tons of different types of guests on it. And we talk about punk and have a good time. Uh, you can also support the show by, uh, subscribing to it and rating it on iTunes. And thank you to everyone that does give it a rating on iTunes. I really do appreciate that. You can also support the show by heading over to patreon.com slash turned out of punk. And thank you. Thank you to everyone that does do that. And you will find uh, bonus episodes, lost episodes, footnotes, uh, video episodes, all sorts of stuff. Uh, so check that out if you will. And if I may give it up to for the fine folks at Vans who came aboard this podcast a few years ago and said, Damien, do what you do. Just don't do it out of your own pocket. And they helped me cover the cost of this thing. And for that, I am able to keep doing it. So thank you to Vans for uh, allowing me to, to kind of keep this thing going. Because there are, there are a lot of weird expenses that creep up with this free podcast. Who would have thought? Uh, and uh, finally, I play in a band. We're called Fucked Up. We will be going on tour, hopefully in the new year. Uh, all those dates are announced. You can find out more information at fuckedup.cc. We will also be reissuing Epics Comes to Minute. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Got a lot of, lot, of, lot of stuff going on in my head right now. It's a little, little bit late. Too. So, but anyway, uh, Epics in Minutes on Get Better Records. Our friends over there at Get Better will be finally putting that out on vinyl. It's never come out on vinyl, uh, so you can order that over there. Tank Crimes Records, run by our good buddy Scotty Karate, will be putting out The Year of the Horse, which is Fucked Up's one-hour-long song. Jeez. And finally, our friends over there at Matador Records will be reissuing... David comes to life on colored vinyl and you can find out more information over at Matador records. Whew. That's a lot of stuff we're doing, man. That, that, this band seems like it's uh really busy right now, but <laughs> it's really not, but it feels really busy when you, when you put it all on paper like that. Uh, okay. On to today's show today on the show. One of, one of the great lead singers of our time, Danny Miller of the band Surf Bort. Uh, huge shout out to my friends at Riot Style Records and Riot Style Skateboards and all Riot Style in general uh, for hipping me to this band uh, years ago. And now since then, they've become kind of like a bit of a cultural phenomena. Like uh, Danny has done ad campaigns for Gucci and has become a style icon. Uh, but before all that, and I guess in addition to all that, uh, Danny is one of the greatest front people, like just a, a, a consummate performer and a, and just like a true 
great punk lead singer. So I didn't know what to expect when we sat down to talk and we sat down to talk. I was having a very hard day dealing with some parenting stuff and got on the phone to talk to Danny and Danny got on the phone and explained that, you know, she's having this very hard day uh, dealing with all sorts of stuff, which she, she talks about on the podcast as well. So I think we both wanted to go into this thing and just forget all our troubles. And I think that's what we did. So I'm excited for you to hear this. Surfboard has a fantastic new record called Keep On Truckin' that is out now. Uh, you can find out more information. And then also they will be going on tour as well. Surfboard will be heading out doing a, a bunch of shows uh, in, in the rest of the month of October and into November. So check out all that online. And uh, yeah, hopefully go out and see this band because they are... You know, if you're going to go back to going to live shows, you know, I can't think of a, a better way to kind of kick that off than with a surfboard show. All right. I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Danny Miller on Turned Out a Punk. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes. Thanks for having me. I'm so. Well, as I was just telling you off air, this will be hopefully a chance for both of us to escape the stresses of our lives and talk about just bullshit. Amazing. That's what I need. Life is crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't have to talk about anything of consequence or importance. Uh, we, but we do <laughs> got to start this off the way they all start off, which is, Danny, how did you get in the punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across it? Oh, yeah. I was birthed to X. My mom, as she was having me, she was blasting X and the knitters. So that is the first time anyone has ever said that in, you know, for close to 400 episodes. That is an amazing introduction <laughs> to punk rock. Yes, that is I awesome. Into punk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I guess like the first um, time I kind of like went to punk shows and figured it out. Uh, a kid passed me a note in class with a mixtape and a note and it said meet me at this little cafe venue thing and che cafe in san diego and i went and i it was like my first punk shows and everyone was like oh, there was a lot of like vegan and hardcore straight edge people i was like this is radical and like wild and I, it was just like random local bands but i was like i feel alive this fucking rules and i was so stoked and it was all from a kid like passing me a mixtape in class well I, I definitely want to get back to the che cafe but before that uh you mentioned your mom birthing you to the knitters and x so i take it she was like a punk rocker yeah um she was a fully a punk rocker but like also very rockabilly okay like yeah my yeah so they grew up like my uncle plays stand-up bass um and like dave and deke combo and like a bunch of rockabilly bands and that and my, so they would be going to like punk shows and rockabilly like a mixture of that yeah so i grew up just with really awesome family like they didn't really teach me how to play music but they had definitely the punk spirit <laughs> well that's awesome and i guess like yeah that's kind of the way the la we're part of the la punk scene i guess went with like blood in the saddle and the blasters and of course x and the knitters and all those bands right yeah totally um oh yeah the blasters um yeah it's it's crazy because like 
X is so like ingrained in me, but like when my mom told me that, I was like, oh, no wonder I feel that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think like growing up, my dad would put on Fantasia records and jazz. So um, I wasn't very, totally aware of punk until later on. Um, but yeah, it was a blast uh, being little and dancing to fantasia still um but i when i fully got like schooled on punk and like figured out like and just was totally submersed in it is when uh sean powell who's my drummer now joined the band surfboard and um and maddie and um kilgore like our first couple tours they're like this is what punk is because they're from like 80s 70s 80s punk scene in texas so Mm -hmm. they'd be like check out the dicks and like all this stuff so that's like when i really got into like every punk record there ever was (laughs) from the 80s (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and, and and sean i guess was also in his fair share of legendary austin punk bands right like fuck emos and the chumps of course yeah oh my god i saw the fucking most play they're awesome awesome. i love the uh, vocals are so cool um yeah they're rad and yeah every time we go to austin he's like the mayor of austin all the (laughs) punks they're like hello you're back it's really fun um but yeah i i'm oh i think like on my own before i found out that like junky shit sucked i was um into like johnny thunders a lot i was like yes johnny thunders um and like before i moved to new york i was already listening to like all the new york kind of style punk um and then when i moved there i was like wow this is awesome still to this day like the punks from back then are still out there raging and playing music it's really cool yeah, it feels like it's like it's it's such an interesting music. You know, obviously I, I'm I'm kind of obsessed with it, but at the same time, I think it's just so interesting to look at because there is such a lineage. Like here you are now in this, you know, what what is a hugely influential punk band in your own right, but being birthed to X, you know, like it's a literal handing down of this music. Like there's almost like this sort of like connection all the way through like from you know obviously fuck emos to surfboard but even like you know the the rockabilly crossover stuff that we're talking about to, to surfboard too totally yeah and I, it's funny because i didn't even know till i was 21 that this was like my past but my mom i guess totally knew as <laughs> i was being birthed <laughs> she was blasting so yeah it's pretty cool um and yeah i it, that whole like the universe is so crazy like that like even um all the people i look up to like blondie and patty smith and all those people i'm like their stories like inspired me like i was always like so connected to their stories and like lived around the corner from where patty smith lived in um in brooklyn when she was like a struggling artist like learning how to paint at pratt or whatever um and just like yeah they're there i've always like looked at their stories kind of like researched it like how did they do it like this Mm -hmm. is so wild and then kind of just fell upon it myself and i don't know it's so it's so awesome and fun and i'm glad it's happening (laughs) well i guess going back to you know the stuff you're talking about early on the che cafe what were some of the bands you would see when you go there i love that venue by the way and and it was the only venue i've ever played that was catered with with the best burritos I've ever had in my life. They brought in catering for it and it was the best venue catering I've ever had. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, that I I would actually like 
always volunteer in the kitchen. I wasn't even really fully vegan, but I was just like there to support. And <laughs> I thought it was really cool. I was like, look, I'm working here. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Who did I see? So, oh, the early on shows. It was so many local bands that mm. were like really. <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking like Snuffleupagus, <laughs> um, um, uh, the Moldy Peaches played yep. there, um, Earth. Oh, that'd been sick, Earth there. Yeah, um, I'm like trying to remember, but the reason my I don't remember that well is because I every since the day I got past that note to go there, I went to every day after school. I like didn't hang out with anyone and my high school is like fuck school everyone thinks i'm a dork anyway so i just was a dork at the shows um and yeah so i went to every show there was basically um so yeah i don't i don't remember too much but it's amazing how it becomes like that where it becomes you know i felt felt the same way when i found it like for i was searching for it and once i found it like i just wanted to take it all in like as much as every show yeah and and I was so like I fed off that energy of every show like I was in the front row freaking out I was like a groupie to the music like mm-hmm. I wasn't like trying to like bang the musicians but I was just like uh can I bang the music like I was just like so excited by the music I was like this rules and then like I didn't realize until my first show when I'm like screaming up there random shit that I got that same energy times a thousand I was like oh this like I just always want to be at a show hanging with people dancing and screaming like this is what makes me happy so yeah that's like when i first discovered that energy i guess i think also like with with you know specifically hardcore shows but punk shows in general the audience is almost like uh, i don't know i can't think of a good sports analogy because i don't really know sports that well but like but it's almost like another player on the team right like that audience like you're saying like when you get up on stage it's just like a much more intense version of being in the crowd because being part of the crowd you're already kind of part of the show just totally yeah and yeah i also figured that out too like when being a singer i was like in the beginning i was like well this is so intense like and then i was like oh it's not really about me it's about everyone just coming out of there hanging out and just like raging getting out all their angst and yeah it's it's like they're everyone's on a team it's it's different than like when you go to the club and like maybe some people are like jocking you and like looking at you weird like fuck you kind of like at most shows at least the ones i go to everyone's just like what's up and you're yeah. like dancing together like this rules and like sick makeup sick shoes like i don't know and everyone's just having a blast and screaming together so yeah it's such a good i i was more of a loner before i connected with music um and i guess like i'm still a loner at times but um i def- the music seems so powerful with friendship and just like finding your found family so it's really cool yeah i'm a lead singer too and i find like anyone i talk to on who comes on this show a lot of times the most extroverted lead singers on stage are some of the most sort of introverted people as people like it's almost like you need a special kind of mental breakdown that requires you to get up there on stage and just kind of become the conduit for that from the audience. Totally. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah, I'm such an introvert extrovert. Yeah, that's definitely me. I was like playing 
uh, my first Europe shows, um, like in 2017 or 2018, something like that. And, um, the, we were opening for Wolf Alice and these fans ran up to Wolf Alice and were like, oh my God, is Danny back there just like destroying shit and like partying and raging and like screaming? And, and they're like, yeah. But I was just <laughs> in the green room, like drinking tea, like hanging out, like not even drinking, just like chilling, like getting all cozy, <laughs> putting on my makeup. I'm like, yeah, it's people think that I'm like fully insane all the time. And no, I'm a freaking dork. I'm a nerd. Well, and I think that's like a lot of people just don't appreciate what goes into that kind of performance that you do, right? Like the amount of like mental energy and and just sort of like just everything. You have to put it all in there. So like it's not like you can yeah. be like that all day. Yeah. At, like before shows and stuff, I feel like I'm like a crazy Medusa like in the sea like conjuring like all this energy together like a crazy <laughs> witch like ah I gotta like get all this energy together to release it it feels really intense um and yeah I'm always learning how to like deal with that and just I'm like once I step on stage it will be good but the like beforehand I'm like freaked out like ah it's so intense so much energy to like get myself up there to be like hello everyone let's mm -hmm. fucking do this um it's funny too uh the first time I met Debbie Harry um that's what I asked her like hey uh what do you do when you're really nervous because being like a introvert it's freaking hard to get up there um and she just said uh it's just an hour of your life so whatever it's just life if you eat shit and fall and like do something weird like oh well it's fucking life and i was like <laughs> oh true if you put it that simple i'm like oh okay so whenever i try to think of that way more when i want to do anything weird in life i'm like it's just whatever amount of time like it's a little bit of time out of your life it's not a big deal it's, it isn't but at the same time also just as a lead singer it's just uh it's like you have to do it day in and day out and like we were talking about earlier you're, you're almost just like a carnival barker like you're there to <laughs> lead that audience right into into that frenzy so you have to be the party every night no matter how shitty you feel or or whatnot totally yeah I, like on one of my early tours I had this weird like epiphany and I was like wait I'm just I'm a joker I'm like a real life joker like back in like the kings and queens day or whatever I'm like a renaissance joker up here every night I'm like this is hilarious <laughs> I never like saw it like that until I was like up there every day like hey guys do 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 and my band is like i have so much humor in it and I, and I try to be like scary spice at the same time so i was like wow i'm a real life joker <laughs> but that's that's what we all are right like it's i think that's the that's the best thing about going up there is like you kind of like you, you realize how silly all these lead singers are that take it super seriously <laughs> yeah totally and i'm like wait like for me i'm so glad there's like dentists out there doing like who are pros i'm like i would fuck people's teeth up i'm way better <laughs> at like cheering people up in their day or like being like oh fuck your job like let's forget about your job for a second just like release all this pent up like aggression and energy and like yeah i'm way better at like making that happen than like fixing someone's teeth or helping them in like court or something so i'm grateful to be a joker so when did you start playing music? Like you mentioned, you grew up with a lot of music around, but you weren't really taught as a young person. Yeah, 
I'm not really like a, a train. I'm not a super good musician. Um, I don't know how to explain that. Mm-hmm. Super good musician. I'm not like I could play some a couple songs on, on the guitar. I took piano lessons when I was little, but I just remember being like, "Yeah, I get Jack in the Box after piano lessons." Like I didn't retain any of it. <laughs> um, I play like very minimal keys. Um, but yeah, and I. I'm not like a trained singer. So basically, if you're out there and you want to start a band and go hard, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to scream at the moon and have fun. Um, but I did take my first vocal lessons recently and in the apocalypse. And I was like, oh, you're supposed to breathe through your diaphragm. So that actually helped me on not um ruining my throat and mm-hmm. and my voice. Um, which was cool, but yeah, I'm not really that pro. And I also got roasted because I'm friends with uh, my friend at Fender. He's just like such an awesome dude, and he got us guitars for Surfboard. And he was like, "Oh, you should um, go and talk about your someone who inspires you, who like paved the way." And I went on with um, for, and talked about Danita from L7 because yeah. she's so freaking cool and another one of my besties that like i really look up to um and i totally got roasted because i was just like oh i'm gonna play in drop d and just like play shitless and drop d and all the like pros were like you suck you're a poser you're lame and i'm like ah <laughs> so, I'm, I'm i've been practicing guitar more ever since i got roasted um but yeah i'm not a trained musician really but that's the thing. You're a lead singer. You know, we, we don't have yeah. to worry about playing those stupid instruments because what we do is so much harder than what they do. True. <laughs> True. And on this, the new record, I'm like, um, it's produced by Linda Perry. And she really like saw that I wanted to do some like opera singing, some like nice romance singing moments. And that was really cool. And so I just like, kind of like battling the music and screaming over it or like raging i gotta do some la 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 singing <laughs> so um yeah i I love being a, a singer it's awesome um and it's the best when people are singing even when i'm in the crowd of an audience and um like i was watching i went to beck's show the other night he did like a practice rehearsal show mm-hmm. and um he was doing that thing that like queen does when you're like oh and then you have the audience like repeat after you like just little acapella warm-up things yeah and um he was doing that and like everyone's singing at once i'm like oh yeah this feels so good this is like i don't know in the hippie terms like some heart chakra throat chakra release thing like (laughs) i was like it feels so good to just like sing no matter like just let it out um and so yeah i was just like damn it may, it's so cool that like when the audience sings with you and sings your lyrics and you're singing it's just like the best mm-hmm. i think it's definitely much needed and really healing i think just like making loud noises in general like it just feels like during the pandemic like you know like during the apocalypse right like you said like we're just we're just quiet you know you have to be inside all the time you got to use your indoor voice like just to be out and to be able to like yell again like the first time i was able to yell I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this totally. feels better than ever before. Totally. I know it's, it's, that's like, so like human to yell. Mm-hmm. Um, halfway through the pandemic, 
our the neighbors above us we live in this apartment me and the drummer and um the neighbors above us and below us moved and they were like redoing the apartments with loud like hammers and stuff so we got to shred a little bit at the house because like <laughs> yeah. we didn't even go to a practice space it was because it was so gnarly you know yeah so i was so stoked for that moment i was like whoa this is so cool because i don't know i'm really like i'm really nice to my neighbors and i don't want to be too loud you know mm-hmm. um so it was great being able to like scream and bang and and wear whatever high heels i want like running around the house um a taste yeah. of the old days yeah <laughs> i'm glad that screaming is not illegal anymore so when was your first uh sort of like attempt at doing a band yeah surfboard oh wow yeah um well i guess wait wait okay that was a lie because <laughs> uh in like fourth grade i had this band at recess called the angels but (laughs) it would just be uh me and my friend Cassie and rachel and we would sing the angel song do you want to hear it yeah let's go for it okay okay this is my first song i wrote a is for angels because that's who we are n is for nothing because nothing can stop us g (laughs) is for greatness all around us all around us e is for everyone who thinks we're cool (laughs) you rule anyways it's called angels and um it's way longer than that but i would uh sing that recess and then i would go around and be like you're my number one fan you're my second number one fan and yeah that was my first band the angels <laughs> first question did you play that for linda perry did you sing that for linda perry <laughs> oh my god no i i need to though i need to there's a clip of me singing it when i'm really little um that i need to send to her oh and then like when i was in like eighth grade ninth grade maybe mm-hmm. i had a band called the spikers but all that consisted of was me wrapping myself in spike belts like as in full i didn't wear any clothes just spike belts like across my boobs and like my butt and stuff and me and my friend camilla would just like sing like fallout boy and like um my chemical <laughs> romance and that and like be like this is our band spikers um so yeah those are my bands before surfboard <laughs> that is the both sound like very conceptually deep bands for a young person yes. to be doing. <laughs> It was all about the outfits and the lyrics. <laughs> so I guess, how did Surfport first come together? Yeah, so me and Matt Piccola, who's, um, it's so crazy. He's a guitarist right now in the band, but he left the band for like four or five years um, <laughs> and he came back. So it's so exciting because, yeah. you know, when you like have a little like fallout with someone, it wasn't a fall, but he just was like going off the deep end with like drinking, which our whole band is like a recovering addict. So it's fitting for the band. Um, but um, he like had to leave. Um, but now he's back and it's so magical. It's like, you can recover from alcoholism and still shred. And like, I don't know, he's always been like, um, you know, accepted into the band. So it's really cool. But me and him, we lived in the Bay and I was a total maniac when I lived in San Francisco. I was so wild. Um, and I got a job with Darren Aronofsky in New York. Um, Whoa. Who's like, who's a director. Yeah. yeah. Cause I, cause I was like, just like a little film student nerd. Um, mm-hmm. And Oh, except I wrote my first songs driving around San Francisco. Um, so I kind of started there with writing songs. 
um like I remember these it was like a huge techie takeover and these like techie bros like um were partying on our roof like spilled over onto our roof and I wrote a song about that like I was just like fuck you oh and the cops came and like befriended them so those that was my first like song writing I was like fuck you guys um fuck the techies and the cops but um Anyways, so me and him, I'll make it a faster story. But oh, go, him, please, you don't have to go faster on this show. We, <laughs> we, we drove, we took our cat, Francis, and we drove across country, like kind of meth head styles in three days or less. Um, and yeah, we made it to New York. We lived in a, the, uh, like a punk squat for like that was covered in cockroaches. Like it was so gnarly. It was just the weirdest like it was what you do when you're like 18 19 um anyways then like after i lived there for maybe like six months or a year or something um my friend from the bay was living there and i went to her house and her roommate charlie she had a guitar and i just did the like i was just caveman style i was like hi you have a guitar let's make a bond and she's like okay like i just had no clue about music or anything i was like i don't know how to make music but let's do this and maddie i was actually dating at the time and he was like oh and i formed the group was like girls and he he was like please let me be in your band i won't ever like say anything mean to you and i won't ever control it or anything and i was like okay fine and like of course that's not how it is like band dynamics are so like in intertwined and complex but back back then we were all just the first kind of like representation of surfboard was it was less music it was more just like crazy stage antics like um i would have charlotte the guitarist like on a leash while she was shredding maddie was like full-blown maniac like there's a picture of him like throwing a mannequin into the air with his guitar like barely hanging off him and like people just like choking and like running around and, and like i don't even know if i was in the picture i was just like on the floor somewhere and that was like what early surfboard was just like and oh, actually, at that show where that picture was taken, as soon as we stopped, the sound guy and owner of this club in um, Greenpoint, uh, Brooklyn, came running up to us trying to like fight us <laughs> because, and like, we we're like, what? And they were like, get the fuck out of here. Like, fuck you. And like getting all muscle, like trying to punch me. And I was like, bro. And it, they also had like a, wireless mic and i was so like such a hater back then i was like what's this dildo mic like this is what you're worried about i didn't even drop it like and they they basically like hauled us out of there we had to like get our friends to get our equipment um and yeah all because our sound was so raw and psycho and like we didn't even actually break anything not even like um a drum head or anything and they were like our sound was just like too violent for them but yeah so early surfboard was just wild and but actually the the way i think it like really like the idea of doing the band was just supposed to be for one show and it was this girl i was dancing with on valentine's um chandler she was like hey i'm booking bands do you know any bands that want to play this and i was just like i'm gonna prank her i was like yeah i have a band because i didn't even know her and um, she was like, cool, what's it called? And I was like, surfboard, because that's like what 
Beyonce's Drunken Love song set in it like yeah. that week. It was like the week that I was hanging or something um, and thinking that. But yeah, so basically it was just supposed to be one house show. But now it's forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. There's there's two types of bands in this world. There's the bands that the sound guys really like. And then there are the bands that are really good live, which normally the sound guys <laughs> do not like. Totally. I'm okay. I'm trying to impress the sound guys more and more. I mean, Linda is like, she's she's not messing around with yeah. the sound she's yeah. like dialing us in no more no more like um playing with like broken s- strings and like having random bongo sessions in the middle like when <laughs> shit's not working like um yeah she it's really cool she's like pushing us to um sound better which is awesome but yeah the live show will always be really uh, like fun and a party but not as psycho as the first shows that was like i had so much angst of like getting off hard drugs that Mm. it was just that was like my main therapy at the time so it was just like the wildest shows and i think outside of you know obviously the personal stuff and the heavy stuff you're going through at that time i think just in general like playing those uh, first shows like you're you're in a different kind of band than when you have to do it every night and you have to like find a way to like you know you can't go as hard as you do when you're playing like one show a week or one show a month yeah and oh and actually i didn't know that at first so like all my first tours like my legs are like fully black with mm. bruises and like my voice was like burnt out because i didn't know you're supposed to like um do it more of like like yeah get through the tour way um but yeah i i think my also my anxiety and like weird angst like doesn't really let me calm down like i don't think i could ever like just stand there the whole set with like the mic on the stand like la 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 hello everyone like full of breath and stuff i don't think i could ever do that because my anxiety is just too crazy but um yeah i definitely take it a little bit easier nowadays it's amazing how like anxiety also is also something that comes up time and time again with people, like not even just people in bands, but like a lot of like comedians and stuff um, who have come on the show, you know, the people that are, 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 you know, like big performers that have been doing it for years talk about how much of their performance is kind of like, I guess, rooted in anxiety or maybe like a defense to deal with anxiety or, or some sort of coping thing. But it, it feels like anxiety is something that really, you know is is part of the performer's life totally yeah i feel like artists in general just like are super freaks that are just they feel the world a lot and they're all their art is so intense and yeah anxiety is so real but i've kind of learned because like i play shows sober and i learned that even though i like one time we we're in spain and like we we're about to go on the stage to like at the time, it was, like, one of the bigger crowds I played to. And I think it was, like, 10,000 or something. And I was, like, um, I want to go home. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, why did I choose to do this? Why did I think, why did I say this was a good idea for me to get in front of all these people and do something, like, sing? Um, But, yeah, I feel like I learned to just take that anxiety and, like, turn it turn it into power and, like, tr- like kind of switch it around on its head and then it just turns into like the most fun set ever and like you feel off it in the end so that's why I like enjoy like I'm glad I'm not like taking pills or like getting wasted because you don't 
get that same high of like turning the anxiety around it's weird it's it sounds nerdy to explain but it's just like it like it feels so much better working with your anxiety even though before the show is gnarly like especially these first shows back after the apocalypse i was like wait i forget how to do this i'm so scared but um it was amazing it turned out really good it's almost like a controlled nervous breakdown on stage yeah totally totally and like the people that are, are coming to hang they're just like hi stoked for the show and i'm like oh, like oh my god ah and they're like you want some food i'm like no I'm, I'm not gonna eat for the next like five hours because ah you can't really eat before but yeah, yeah it's it's funny um but it, it's so worth it and and i feel lucky in that and i'm like cool i i not a lot of people know how to like work with their anxiety and it's cool that it just i i don't know i'm glad i started when i was 21 because mm-hmm. that it's taken so long to learn how to do this stuff um and now i'm still always learning um and now i'm like wow i'm glad i started at my most anxiest time well you know you mentioned not being able to eat five hours before. And, and I mentioned the the great burritos at the Che Cafe show we played. Uh, I that, I can't eat before a show. And I made the mistake of eating and then vomited all over the windows in the middle of our Oh, my set. God. Yes. I felt that, a kinship with you about vomiting burritos when I read about that. Yes. Yes. I freaking that. That's so like when you first start, you don't know that you can't really eat. And well, and maybe some people can eat before but like if you're just starting out if it's a punk band you can't really eat before because no. you're like jumping i like i'm a tornado and i'm like freaking the fuck out um so yeah i the the bar it was like don pedro's in brooklyn and they had burritos and i didn't even drink anything or anything i just had an entire burrito mm-hmm. and in the middle of the set i was like oh man i felt it coming like while i was singing and i was just like yup i have to puke and i puked and the band kept on the same riff and we're just like sticking with it sticking with it and then like i got myself together and then just like went back into the song and everyone's like what and then um <laughs> sean who's my drummer now was in the audience because we were playing with his band ice balloons and um he was like yo let's hang out you're sick and then i ended up he ended up being in the band and we bonded over that burrito puking and also i felt so bad because when the other bands went on they're like the mic smells disgusting and i was like oh man i'm so sorry but yeah now like i can eat a little bit drink water but i try to just like i don't know i make sure i eat breakfast and lunch i'm into eating just not right before the show (laughs) yeah no you have to give yourself a good window just because like you're saying it's just you know especially when you're when you try and do some sort of harsh vocal where it's like you you got a, a guttural thing coming up that's just gonna bring the vomit with it totally and i like shake up and down so much mm-hmm. like i don't even know why i don't i have no control over it. i'm just like going like insane i never i never am like oh i'm gonna plan to dance a lot on the song i just go insane and then i block out and i'm like oh whoa i see videos i'm like wow I look like I'm having like a full like yeah mental <laughs> psychosis like breakdown um psychedelic punk rock breakdown but yeah it's definitely I, I haven't puked in a long time on stage I, I don't think I will anytime soon I hope 
Uh, also, you mentioned uh, Ice Balloons, and uh, what a cool band! Like a true super group, you know the fact. That oh my Sam god! I yeah. TV on the radio, and of course, fuck emos all in there, and it, like a, yeah, what a great band. I know. I actually just say that the other Sean um, from Sam I Am and Ice Balloons, the singer, the um, fly-headed singer. Um, I just stayed at his house when I was in New York because he was out of town and I watched his cat. It was nice. Aww. But um, I actually went on tour with them and played one of those mini, like, Korg little, I forget which one. Oh, like, Volca B- bass, I think. I just, like, went on tour playing noise with ice balloons i just like straddled like an amp and just like (laughs) put like just pushed random ass shit and like just made weird bad bad noises all around america it was really funny there's something so free about you know doing a a noise rock band because you know like really like people say anyone can do a punk rock band anyone could do a noise band yeah it was awesome i was like this rules and kip is a freaking angel I love Kip. His hugs are magical. Um, and Dan Shint is really cool. It was just a blast. I had, I had a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, it's it's just fun play, hanging and playing music with your friends. That's like the whole point of all this, hanging with your friends. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Kip's, he's super awesome and, and obviously has been involved in like a ton of amazing bands. But I think it also just speaks to like, how vibrant that scene in new york was the fact that you've got like people that are at the same time as you know part of like these noise bands but are also part of bands that are you know playing late night talk shows and stuff and it feels like you know now that stuff is a little more common like obviously yourselves and stuff but like i think at the time it it's something that was kind of unique to new york a little bit yeah i it's i i i think like just that's just how New York is. Like everyone, it it's like going on 24 seven. There's like 10 shows a night usually. And everyone just like has a bunch of bands and they're all like interconnected. And yeah, it's just magical. Like it, you feel alive in New York different ways. So I'm really glad that I started the band in New York. I think like that was like the only kind of zone for it to start. The only vibe for it to start in. Um, but yeah, it's it's rad just like seeing your friends in different bands through different genres and it just everyone's just connected. It's really cool. Like um and some people will ask me like, "Whoa, you know like so many famous musicians and bands and people." And I'm like, "Oh, well, I don't really think of it like that. I'm just like people who love creating and like making cool shit and everyone just like comes together, you know?" Mm-hmm. um and they they're they could be playing like five of us in an alley or like at a grandma's birthday party or yeah like on a tv show or like huge stadium and like it's all just good vibes and fun yeah so i guess like when did surfboard because you eventually move out to la again right or are you still in the station in new york yeah um well we are planning just to go back and forth from new york and la because i really um before the apocalypse i didn't really stay anywhere because i would be like oh time to play germany okay time to play new york okay time to play la time to fly to china to do a dj set it was just like i was just everywhere so um yeah i ended up kind of leaving new york a while ago and just being nowhere and everywhere at once i wouldn't even know like who to tell i was in town because i didn't even i was just like my brain was so scrambled Mm -hmm. um 
but yeah now in the apocalypse i've been chilling in la um and i need a break from new york because it is really intense and i'm like i'm from california if you did, couldn't tell by my stoner valley girl accent um <laughs> but so like yeah new york was so awesome for like seven years but i needed to kind of like get out of there and um kind of find myself again because i just ever since i started the band i went non-stop and i never really <laughs> like did any self-work or like found like discovered more of myself i just w- went non-stop like just show to show to show to show um so yeah i've just been in la being an la poser um but i just played new york and i stayed there for a little bit and i fell back in love with it and i was like damn i could live here again i just don't want to live in like a trash dungeon i would rather have like a nicer (laughs) house now Uh, i'm like a bougie grandma now yeah no it's it's, i think it's a lot easier to be uh i don't want i don't want to say a lot easier to be happier but it seems like happiness is is closer at hand when there's the sun out yeah and and yeah and i'm like it's it's more yeah it's not even about like really fancy i don't need like a fancy plate giant mansion i'm just like for my mental health i need a little bit of sun i need a less trash and rats and stuff and a little bit and less like puke on the sidewalk. yeah cockroaches and a little bit more just like i mean my house is still trash dungeon no matter what <laughs> but um it's just trash dungeon in the sunshine so just a little bit better for for my mental health um but yeah i'm sure when things are in full swing i mean i'm about to tour with starcrawler in the garden and then next year just go full on so i'll just be everywhere again um yeah i'm i'm worldwide mostly (laughs) but it's, it's amazing how this pandemic has forced people like obviously I think we'd all prefer not to have been forced to do this definitely, but like it, it forced us, like you've mentioned self-work there and it, it did force oh, people yeah. in bands to kind of like at least stop and look at what had happened. Cause it, it goes so quickly. Like you're saying, you have to be touring. And if you're not touring, you gotta be writing songs. If you're not writing songs, you're I'm recording. so glad I had to stop. I would have mm-hmm. never stopped till I was like 50 to like relook at things like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that that happened because um just like i don't know i started when i was like living off dollar pizza and like um working five jobs like working construction working barista working co-check like all these being like a cheesemonger i don't even know how i did that because i can't (laughs) don't know about cheese now but um so like because of the survival need for survival i mixed with like love for music and like having a blast i just couldn't stop really you know like i was like wait i need to somehow like get like do all this so yeah um the pandemic was a blessing and i'm stoked for it yeah i got sober for real like i'm seven years off hard drugs um but i was like just still doing coke and like drinking a ton and getting so stoned like doing dabs and stuff (laughs) um so i was like the I, I during the apocalypse i got a really a chance to just like get sober find myself like just be in nature and i mean we are still 
uh, still nonstop making surfboard songs every day. And like, we were going to put out a living room recording since we've made so many songs at home. I learned how to record at home. Um, but yeah, I, I'm way more present now. I, I don't know. I've learned so much. So I'm grateful for this happening. And now when I go back out on tour, I'll have like such an appreciation for it and have more of a grasp on myself because honestly at the end I got really lonely I would be like why does no one like why does no lover want to like be with me but I'm like oh because I wasn't fully loving myself and I was just nowhere and everywhere and just like out of my mind kind of like just that's how you just get on tour if you don't stop well, that becomes a survival thing, right? Like that's how you have to get on tour and like to do what we we're talking about earlier, right? Getting up on stage every night and putting on that kind of party. You have to be totally. Everywhere. Yeah, totally. And like I and and but when the, when I got like a week off or something, I would just find a random person and be like, oh, do you like me? OK, great. Like, OK, will this be my boyfriend or girlfriend? Like, do they love me? And then but like that's not like it's that's too it ends up being like too desperate and sad and weird. And I'm just like, wait, this is not me. Why do I feel so gnarly? And it's funny, just different layers of that started like coming off. And I started just like finding more true love for myself. And I like just getting a house. I was like, Oh, cause I didn't have a house. I was just touring. I was like, Oh my God, I found myself a little bit more. And like, getting sober oh whoa I, I like finally dealing with my emotions and like trauma just like i don't know so many layers just happened and i mean it'll i'll ever forever be evolving and learning and um fucking up and shit but um yeah I, it was much needed and i'm really excited for the future and it's funny how everything happens because um at the beginning when everything was going down, I was like, I want a second record out. And like, oh, like frustrated with music and like my management and like no um uh like people on my side, like no team really. And but like from working on myself and having all that time, it all just clicked at the right time. And now I have an album coming out. I have a full team and Linda Perry backing it, which is when she is my team, she's like the coolest person ever and trying to just like revamp surfboard and like made made me undepressed about music um so yeah it's just like perfect timing i wouldn't want it any other way i wouldn't want to find all this magic when i was still like really down you know i'm mm -hmm. glad i learned so much and now it's all coming together and uh to like tie that into the record i uh it's called keep on trucking and actually, um, there's this thing called happy destiny. It's like you trudge the road and to happy destiny. It's kind of like you're, you keep going and like really magical good things will happen and like beyond your wildest dreams kind of thing. And I kind of looked up the definition of happy destiny and at the bottom in quotes, like, you know, when you look something up, they give you examples. Mm -hmm. The example was keep on trucking. And, oh. <laughs> and I sent like, I sent the like, um, kind of definition paragraphs to linda and she just read keep on trucking and i was like wait what keep on trucking she's like yeah that's what you just sent me and i was like oh so i was gonna thinking of naming the record either larp uh, live action role live play. action role playing <laughs> or, absolutely <yeah. laughs> because i feel like that's what i'm doing um yes. maybe that maybe i'll save that for like a seven inch um but 
uh or happy destiny and then so then but it ended up being keep on trucking because i'm like man even when you're feeling like the world's ending and shit's so gnarly and crazy and like things are just bad like just keep on trucking and hold on tight for the good times because it's so worth it and like things will happen that at the right time and it'll be beyond your wildest dreams so yeah it's it's really cool that whole like meaning and how it turned into our, our record name i was just actually reading the bad religion biography that came out last year and linda oh, perry's cool. like uh she gives them advice really early on when she's like working at some recording studio and they go in there and she's like i think it's her brother that records them early on or something oh one john of bandmates. yeah yeah and stuff so you know she's just continuing on her, her punk lineage i guess with you guys amazing yeah <laughs> she's so cool because um well we connect because we're both ex crazy psycho i mean <laughs> recovering psychos from san diego i mean we're still crazy but like we used to just do like acid and drugs in san diego growing up and uh started at just like be being a little punk so um that's like how we really connect like we see each other's like younger selves like oh i see you um and yeah, she just really let surfboard be surfboard, but then also like takes what we have and like turns into like a punk symphony kind of thing, um, which is really cool. I was like nervous. I was like, because we've never really worked with a huge producer. So I was like, wait, I don't want them to change the sound or like not understand because we're really weird. We're just like, I don't know, random. We like make jokes, sing about shit that like and, and like weird timing and weird kind of structure that's not really a structure um so i was nervous but she totally just made us so like spot on with with, with what i wanted the second record to sound like so it's awesome well this has been awesome and danny anytime you want to come on the show and talk about punk or anxiety or, or anything please know the door is always open hell yeah you actually made me feel so much better because it's so funny today like a couple hours before this i got my period and i'm going through a breakup and my album's coming out so i was like i feel crazy how am i going to talk to someone and but you made it so much fun and now i'm like i feel like we're best friends and we should totally talk again <laughs> Thank you, Danny, for coming on the show. And you heard right there, Danny will be back for a part two at some point in the future. And uh, there's a lot more to discuss. You know, there's, a, there's, <laughs> we definitely, it's funny when you talk to some lead singers and you're just like, wow, I see myself. I see myself in everything that you're saying. I, I, that's what I love doing, but this, that's why I love this podcast. You know, it's like a, a little therapy session for me, maybe, maybe for other people, but for me, it, it's like a little therapy session. All right, on to the next therapy session with, from the legends, the Violent Femmes. This was hinted at at the Mike in the Mike Herrera episode. Actually, it was said that it was coming up in the Mike Herrera episode. But coming on the show, Brian Ritchie is here. And this is someone who I've always wanted to sit down and talk to uh, because... I love the Violent Femmes. They are such an important band for me and, and so many people that come on this podcast. And so to be able to put them into the punk rock universe, like I know they fit in, but to be able to actually see how they fit in, oh, 
In addition to the therapy, that's why I do this thing. For the satisfaction of kind of like putting all these pieces together of this puzzle. All right. That is it. That is coming up later on this week on the show. Uh, That's it for today, though. Remember, as always, Black Lives Matter. The lives of indigenous peoples matter. We need to protect trans kids. We need to help trans people protect themselves and stop hate and violence towards Asian people and people of different faiths and just, you know, cut all that bullshit out, you know? Like, uh... These these aren't political issues, you know. These are these are just human rights issues, you know. So we support people's rights to choose, and we oppose, you know. I think as any punk does and should, anyone that stands in the way of people's right to choose, you know, their reproductive choice. Anyway, uh, we also go there and and make your own culture. Anyone can do this shit. Anyone can start a band, start a fanzine, start a start something, you know, do, do it. You know, it doesn't have to be even something that big. Just draw a pitch for yourself. Being creative can help your mental health. Speaking of men- helping your mental health, try meditation. Like, I'm not saying it's going to work, but I didn't believe in it. And then I tried it, and it, it kind of works. You know, you got to remember to do it, which is also, like, you know, adds to the stress in your life, you know, finding time to do it. But once you do it, holy jeez, it's like... I, I liken it to exercising, but for your mind. And I don't pitch any specific product or I just use one of those apps, but I'm sure there's lots of different ways to do it. And there's lots of different styles. Like I'm, I'm, I'm merely dipping my toe into the pool, but I'm finding results for on a personal level. So maybe you will too. Who knows? Sign your organ donor cards because by the time they come looking for those organs, you don't need them and someone else can use them. So do that. And, uh, that is it. I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.